You're listening to the Heartbeats Machine here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And tonight on the phone with me is Garrick. Welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you? Very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm well. I'm just sitting at home here in my underwear. <laughs> looking I... forward to talking to you. Awesome. Let's talk about how you started making music as Garrick. Well, I've always been writing since I was a teenager. I kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere. I didn't have a lot of neighbors, so I spent a lot of time by myself. And I started writing poems and journaling, and then I started to write songs. People always ask, when did I start singing, or when did I know I wanted to be a singer? And I say that I never really wanted to be a singer. I just started writing songs. And songs by nature have to be sung. So instead of giving them away, Way, I wanted to sing them myself because I didn't think anybody else would do it correctly. How you so, see it in your head. Yeah, the attitude and the feeling behind it. Right. So I moved to New York in 2010, not really knowing what I wanted to do exactly, but I knew that I wanted to be in New York because everyone told me that it was the hardest place in the world to make it, and I thought that it would be a great idea to do that to myself. You just for some jump reason. right in to... Yeah, just don't waste any time and go right for it. I got an internship at a music production house. It was off of a Craigslist post. So I spent maybe six to eight months doing the intern stuff, scrubbing toilets and getting coffee. Right. Started sneaking around after hours at the studio writing <laughs> my own stuff. And then I eventually showed it to some of the people there and they liked it. So we started to make more and made a video and it's kind of snowballed since then. That was maybe three years ago, I think. Has it been three years? I know that I've been following you for a couple. I just can't remember the exact timeline. I tried mm-hmm. to go back and find out where I first discovered, and I know what it was. I what found was it? it was the E.T. video, and um... it's the one Katy Perry song that I like, and... <laughs> <laughs> And I love, love your version. Love Thank it. You. And the Thank video you. is hilarious. Yeah, we had fun with that. I have mm-hmm. a small niece who's a big Katy Perry fan, and she just happened to be in the studio with me one night, and I played your version of it, and this big Katy Perry fan said, I think I like this better than the original. No way. <laughs> yes. Well, she has exquisite taste. <laughs> she absolutely does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said you've been writing for so long. And first and foremost, you would consider yourself a writer, not a singer. Yeah. Singers, I feel like, spend time training. I've never taken a vocal lesson in my life. We didn't have a choir at my school growing up, and I wasn't allowed in church, so they never <laughs> let me sing in that choir right. either. Well, um, then how did you discover your voice in whatever translation you would take that? It was a lot of me mimicking who I I was listening to or trying to sound like if it was I spent a lot of time singing Lincoln Park in my car when I got my license and Marilyn Manson and then I sing Garbage and I would sing Pink and I would try and sing Alanis Morissette but she really gets up there sometimes so that was a bit of a stretch so I guess saying that out loud I kind of went all over the place stylistically I never realized that before but (laughs) I took different parts of what I liked from each artist and kind of I don't know I didn't go about thinking I had to create my own style vocally but when it 
it feels good, when it feels right, when there's that, I don't want to say emotion, but when there's that attitude behind it, when right. you deliver something vocally and it feels good, more than just singing it, when you feel something behind it, that's when it feels right. That's when you know that's where you found where you want to be. Yeah, with. when it sits comfortably and I've never had a vocal lesson, like I said, but I've talked to some teachers who are, I've sang for them and they're like, your technique is actually really not that bad for somebody that's never done it, so whatever that means. I must be doing it sort of correctly. Somewhat of a natural. Well, I just do it by instinct, what feels right. So would you say that the change with the move to New York changed your music, whether it was what you wrote or the feeling that you felt in creating it? Yeah, it definitely made me up my game a lot. I was walking around with a bunch of demos when I moved here. Okay. And then I played them for some people and they looked at me and they're like, don't ever play this for anyone again. Oh, wow. <laughs> As in, you know, it was they were really bad and I thought they were good. So I got my feelings for and blah 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 but then I remembered that's why I moved to New York right because everybody here is so good at what they do so I had to either adapt or get left behind and uh, look at how you develop yeah thank you it was tough it was not easy I would imagine I, yeah I had to learn a lot about constructing an effective melody for songwriting okay. specifically because as I mentioned before I started as a writer so lyrics were always really important to me and melody sort of took a backseat until I started working with these other people and then I realized that if you're going to write a song it has to sound good right you know, there has to be some memorable melody there otherwise I should just be writing right. a poem a or a spoken word or something yeah. yes that never clicked for me before but that was a big turning point for me as an artist realizing that and then making that as much of maybe even a little bit more of a priority than the lyrics themselves but I try to balance them both out say something cool and say it in a cool way to actually grasp attention because then they're going to experience what you wrote. Yes, exactly. So speaking of writing the music, writing the lyrics, do you do all of the writing, production, arrangement? I write the lyrics and the melodies on top of the music. The way that I started was at the production house. The producers would give me songs that nobody wanted, songs that were left over, songs that the artists they were working with didn't want. And Save the Queen was one of those songs. It was a song that nobody else wanted. So I took it and then I wrote over it. And that's been the majority of the process for me so far. That's how I started. It was never me sitting with a full band or a room full of five musicians and starting from scratch. It was, I would usually get music and then write something over it. Okay. And that's still the case. Mm -hmm. So producers are, are... Really talented guys that I work with. It's interesting to discover different artists' approach and where they start in creating a new piece or a new album and whether they start with lyrics or whether they start with music that they write themselves or others write. As a consumer of the music, it's fascinating mm-hmm. to me to see that there are so many different approaches. Yeah, that and that was out. not my preferred approach. Like I mentioned before, it was all about adapting and right. that was what I had to do in order to make music. So that's what I did. Lately, I've been recording a lot of acapellas and then giving that to the producers and then putting music underneath it. So it's sort of a reverse process, which is fun for me also. So speaking of the music itself, what's the most current release? Currently... Because I was trying to follow the timeline and looking back, Save the Queen was the first single back in 2012? Save the Queen was the first, yeah. It wasn't really officially released as a single. It was sort of put it up on my YouTube channel and just for fun. I didn't have it up on iTunes for anything like that, but then people 
started to respond to it. Right. So then I put an EP together, put it on iTunes, and threw some other songs on there. So and that was Take that the was, King Volume 1? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that was Save the Queen was the first release, but we did a re-release back in November. With the two different versions? To, yeah, where it went to radio. That's and where I was kind of confused. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't know that it came out that early. <laughs> yeah, well, it came out independently that early. So I uh, signed a publishing deal back in November, and he had some radio guys that were interested in doing a re-release. So okay. we did that, and it came out at number five on the rock charts, the 200 awesome. rock charts here in That's great. the U.S., which was cool. Yeah. So that technically we could say is the most recent release officially? Because it's a re-release, yes. Before that, it was the cover of Sex and Candy. Okay. Was that only released as a video or that's published on iTunes and such? That's just a video. Okay. So yeah. we have, who's that? Marcy Playground is the original artist for Sex yep. and Candy. So you have that cover video. You have the cover video for E.T. by Katy Perry. And then you have Take the King, the EP that is originally yours, Save mm-hmm. the Queen single and reissue yes. is that all bases mm-hmm. how many videos do you have out now four for each single on take the king and okay. then sex and candy so it would be five i don't know if i've seen all four of the ep song videos huh, i'll have to go mm-hmm. back and look yeah for each song i did a video i absolutely love your videos they're very artistic very creative and as i had mentioned in our prepared content i think they really capture the feeling individually for each song thanks and that's why I wanted to do, a lot of people are asking if I was going to release an album or a, a bigger collection. And I said, not right now, because right. I'm working on building a fan base and I want to give each song the attention it deserves. That was part of it, doing a video for each one and releasing them you know, independently of one another. Absolutely. And I think it's working quite well for you. Thank you. I don't like genres. I don't like classifying music as genres. I think it forces pigeonholing and mm. it's kind of difficult to to get around. So when I ask someone to talk about their music, I ask them to describe a feeling or a sound that they would associate with it versus saying, oh, it's pop. Oh, it's rock. Oh, it's industrial. Because you have all these different classifications that have been thrown upon you. I want to see how you feel and what you would describe your music to be. Well, it's funny because I get that question all the time. And what I do is I ask a person. So if you were (laughs) to ask me what sort of genre I consider myself in, I usually turn it around and ask them because I get a bunch of different answers. I've gotten everything from a harder Adam Lambert uh-huh. and somebody once said it was like Depeche Mode with a baseball bat. Oh wow. Also, which I thought was interesting. I'm a 90s kid so I grew up with the alternative, the industrial rock. Right. That's the kind of stuff that I like. But the producers that I work with are really into pop and hip-hop, so okay. they snuck some of that in there, too. <laughs> so, But I'm, I'm definitely a rock and roll kid. I don't like dance music. I don't like clubs. Right. Um, I, I don't see myself doing that. I actually think but, that with your industrial influences on your music, that you would fit in some industrial clubs. Yeah, something like that. That would be an appropriate fit. Yes. But definitely, definitely not the pop top 40. No. Club scene. Uh, I have yeah. no patience for that. I have no interest in being part of that. Right. And that was, for a while, everyone was like, you have to get on the radio. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right, I do. And then I was like, wait a minute, 
listen to it. I don't listen to the radio. Right. No one I know, like the top 40 stuff. Yeah, what I, kind of radio I, are people thinking that you should jump on to? That's been one of the hurdles is I meet a lot of people who don't really know quite where to put me. Right. Which is a bit frustrating, but it also lets me know that I'm doing something right as an artist. I agree. something a bit outside of what's normal or what's going on today. Someone may hear your cover of E.T. and think, I really like that sound. Oh, I wonder how it is. And then realize, as my niece did, that it's a really great version of it. And maybe they like it even more because it has an edginess to it that is just taking away from the pop scene. And that's why I did that song, is because I thought her lyrics were darker, but the music was still very pop, and I thought it didn't match. So I wanted to take her darker lyrics and match it with a little bit more aggressive music and performance that way. You know, when I was reading up on you, and because I had listened to the music long before I even started doing research for this, everyone was saying electro and industrial and rock and I keep remembering back how I thought that your music was quite poppy Mm -hmm. in a dark sense and that no one addressed that part. Mm -hmm. They looked at the industrial-ish rock side, but I really picked up on a dark pop sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that might have to do with some of the imagery that I use in my videos and my photos. It's not something that would be a pop artist would do. Right. It's not safe enough, right. I guess, maybe. And also, vocally, I tend to scream a little bit more than most pop singers right. do. So. Most mainstream radio doesn't pull that. Yeah, but musically, instrumentally, yes, it's definitely pop. You've been posting recently that you're working on new music, and mm-hmm. you mentioned a little bit. What kind of timeline do you have for something that could be released that you've been working on? Right now, I'm filming the video for the next release. Okay. And I'm going to release the video and the song at the same time. So that should be done probably within a month. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so um, while I'm working on that, I'm putting together some new songs also for probably another EP release. Three or four songs along with the new release. Cool. So let's get a little bit more into some details. And I had made a comment about art being driven by life experiences or points of views. What mm-hmm. types of things drive you to create? And is it different between whether you're writing lyrics or if you're working on, say, a melody? Lyrically, it usually has to deal with my relationships with people okay. or my relationship with the world. I don't ever really write love songs because I feel like that's been done too much and I just have no interest in doing that. So the stories I tell are a bit different. But melody-wise, it's something that I can't really sit down and say, oh, I'm going to write the best thing that no one's ever heard. It usually comes to me right before I'm about to fall asleep, actually, when um, my brain is switching between conscious and unconscious and the connections get a little bit looser. For me, there's more like capacity for imagination and stuff like that. So it'll come to me right before I'm about to fall asleep. And so do you prepare for that? You have something nearby? Yes, I always do. Good. But I can't go to sleep being like, this is the night. This is when it's going to happen. Right. And when it does, it does. And I don't know where it's from, if it's God or the universe or the muses, whoever, or my brain. I'm not sure. I'm just happy that it happened. Right. And you're also a visual artist. Does it work the same way for your visual work? Mm, the visual work is usually a lot quicker. Okay. I'll sit down.
down in front of a piece of paper with the charcoal and I'll do something in 30 to 45 minutes where the song is a longer process. Okay. Not writing the song itself, but recording it and then producing it and doing all of that before it's prepared to release. Right. So doing visual art is more immediate, more cathartic. You do it right when you're feeling a certain way and it's done within the hour. And so It doesn't have to go it, through all of the other parts of the process. Yes. You mentioned earlier that there were musicians, artists, bands that you listened to throughout your life that would you say their influences mm-hmm. when I asked you about discovering your voice? Would you say that those are those prominent influences in your life experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two biggest ones are Alanis Morissette and Marilyn Manson. Okay. Mostly because sonically they both have very unique voices and they're so different from everyone else. But they were also using their voices to tell a story, to tell something that was happening to them or that was true to them. And something different. And something different, yes. So something that's that what was I... not the forefront of what mainstream or pop, whatever top 40 was mm-hmm. highlighting. Yeah, and so that's what I always admired about them. And what I continue to admire today is someone that is brave enough to be angry and vulnerable and to be human. And to put it out there. Mm-hmm. So scary. It's terrifying, yes. But the more risks you take, the more rewards you get is what I keep telling myself. We'll see. Well, I, I'm sure that that pays off eventually. I hope so. It does. It does. What about non-musical influences in whatever way, whether it's writers or actors or parents or whatever? I think my mom is one of my heroes just because she has always sort of gone to the beat of her own drum, I should say. Okay. She's done what she wanted, didn't really care too much about what people expected or what she should be doing. I love Sylvia Plath. I think she's brilliant. Ursula the Sea Witch from Little Mermaid was nice. always a hero of mine. I Most love... people wouldn't see Ursula as a hero. No, I love Disney villains, especially the female ones, because they didn't use violence or strength. They didn't barge in anywhere with a sword or fist. They had to use cunning and strategy and had to be thoughtful about how they were going to get what they wanted. And that's kind of what Save the Queen is about, actually. My homage to those villains. Yes. I really like the contrast in the Save the Queen video between the white and the dark Mm -hmm. sides. The song was inspired in part by a chess game. Again, the strategy of life, going about getting what you want, knowing who to align yourself with, being strategic about it, and... And, you know, the chess game is black and white. So I knew I wanted a black army and a white army, a black queen and a white queen for that sort of tension in the video. How much are you involved in the development, whether it's creatively or producing any kind of element for the videos? I've been very lucky in the sense that I work with people that let me do whatever I want. From the beginning, it's been, I don't have a label behind me or a management company that tells me, you know, you can't do this because you'll offend somebody or you can't wear this you can't do that so for the most part it's been whether it's musically or visually what I had in mind for each release I work with some really talented people that allow me to do what I want in front of the camera and then they make it look really great setting it up and everything like that so it's kind of an extension from having the ability to write these great songs and then giving them your visual art as well yeah I always say if I can't see a video 
video to a song, then it's no good. Really? And I'm not interested in doing it. Yeah. Okay. There's just everything that I've written so far, the good ones, they always come with a visual. And if there's not a visual, then I'm really... Then you're not mm, as inspired to... Then I'm not as inspired, yeah. I kind of want to touch again on the two covers that you did. Were there any specific reasons why you chose those two? You did touch on the ET one about the lyrics and wanting to give it a darker sense. But Mm -hmm. were there any specific reasons why those two caught your attention? No, like I always loved E.T., like you said, that's one of the only songs that you like of hers. Mm -hmm. So I liked that one, and I thought that it was good, but it could be taken a different way, and I wanted to try it and see if I could do it. It's sort of a personal challenge. And then Sex and Candy, I just remember coming on my shuffle one day and thinking the same thing, what a great song it was, and I want to do my own version. So I did. There's nothing really that calculated about it. It just happened to strike you in a moment and said, go with it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just trying to flatter you. When I think of these two songs now, because I've listened to your versions of them so many times, I don't hear the originals in my head. Like, if I'm thinking (laughs) about them, I really don't. I hear your vocals, and it's kind of bizarre, but I'm so glad, because although I do like both of those songs, I like your versions better. Thank you. And that's part of the point of doing a cover, I think, is not only doing it better, but doing it differently. If I heard a song that I thought was perfect, as it was, I wouldn't do it just because it's popular or because other people would like it. There's no point in doing that for me anyways. But thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks to you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about, there was one entry that I submitted to you that wasn't even a question. I kind of wanted a reflection. On your Instagram bio description, as a boy, I was taught to suppress my femininity. As a man, I discovered its gifts and created a queen. You'll see. And I just wanted a reflection on that. How long ago did you come up with that? And then where do you stand now? I felt that way for the past few years, but I just put it into words probably a few months ago. It's about, for me, it's never too late to be exactly who you are. I spent a lot of my life being ashamed or being afraid of who I was or the things that I I wanted or the thoughts that I thought. It was just like the worst thing to be different. So then you try and be as much like everyone else as you can. And for me, that was suppressing my feminine side. But then, like I mentioned before, I always identified with the female villains. I didn't really think about why until I was older. And it was because I admired their cunning, their intelligence. Then I realized that there are gifts in the feminine that I could use, that I could embrace instead of barreling in somewhere with a gun or a sword. How else could I do it? There are a lot more things that are not power related, like compassion and I don't don't really know. (laughs) I haven't fleshed it out entirely. It's more of an an abstract thing to me. I'm working on it every day, but it was just about not shutting off certain parts of yourself because other people tell you that it's wrong or that it's different. Okay. embracing your humanity and exploring that, like the people that I admire the most, taking the risks. With that, would you say that there are people out there that you would like to work with because they inspire you? I'm Shirley imagine Manson. that she's amazing. I love her. So Shirley Manson would be your go-to if you could choose that one person to work with. Yeah, or just sit okay. down and have a beer with. You know? Oh, just chat it out. Yeah, her. The other ones that listed are cool too. Marilyn Manson, Alanis. I think Pink is really great. I think Lana Del Rey pretty cool. I like her a lot. But who would I want to collaborate with? Yeah, who would you be interested in working with or 
another another song that maybe you would be interested in covering? I have another cover in mind that I think I'm going to start on, but okay. I won't mention it in case it never happens. I can respect that. <laughs> but I think Shirley Manson would be my go-to. I respect her so much, and she's hot. Yeah, I'll give you for that. Whatever that. For whatever that's worth. <laughs> Performance-wise, where have you performed, either in the New York area or, because I know that you did a jump over to Europe. I did club gigs here in New York. I've done some concert venues, too. I think my favorite show was over in Copenhagen for mm. a Pride, because I got there, and I didn't really get a chance to see the audience, but then I walked out there, and there was like five or 6,000 people there oh my. in the town square. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And I also did London Fashion Week last fall, which was fun. You were not only walking, right? But you also had your music playing? Yeah. It was an Australian designer who really liked Save the Queen. So she wanted to use the song for her runway show. And I said, of course. And she asked if I wanted to walk in the show and I said well I'm not a model but I, I do know how to walk one foot in front of the other right right one foot in front mm-hmm. of the other gets that action going in the yeah in it, the it, hips. Was, it was terrifying <laughs> but I still pulled it off somehow so where is a place that you would like to play or love to play that you haven't the goal yet? of mine is Webster Hall main floor I've played Webster Hall the studio which okay. is in the basement it's where I saw garbage two nice. years ago that's where I could see myself in a year or two if I work hard enough. And would you ever consider coming out west? Absolutely. I certainly hope that that happens. I just have to figure out where to play. Okay. Absolutely. Do you have any advice for artists in any part of the spectrum that are struggling, are feeling defeated, are not really sure of themselves. You have to really love what you're doing and you have to do it not to be famous and not to be rich because that doesn't really happen. You have to be excited about creating the art and making the art and that in itself is enough for me but when you see people responding to it, that makes it even better. Like those are the little rewards for it. You have to be your own biggest fan, your own biggest support system, especially if you're a solo artist or a visual artist, because art in general by nature, someone is going to love what you do and someone is going to absolutely hate what you do. It doesn't matter what it is. So that was a lesson that I had to learn and that's something that I have to tell myself and what I tell other people also. The worst thing that could happen is that they were indifferent, that they saw it or they heard it and they just didn't care, that it didn't elicit a response from them at all. So when somebody likes what you're doing, that's great. When somebody hates what you're doing, that's fine. But you just have to really enjoy making it and enjoy what you're doing. I think that's great advice, actually. And it tends to be a recurring bit of information. Really? Yeah. When I do ask people that question, that it's almost always you have to do it for yourself. You have to do it because Mm -hmm. you have to. Most people, what they say is, I can't not do this. Mm -hmm. It can be a very self process actually is doing it for yourself because you have to because you want to because it makes you happy and that's it it can be that easy <laughs> if you <laughs> let it but it's also if you choose to live as an artist or to make that your path it will be the most difficult thing that you do and you have to remember that you can wake up every day and feel sorry for yourself and blah 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 blah, blah. but I always have to remind myself that nobody put me on this path but me so it's my own fault. Anything, any successes, any failures, it all starts and stops with me. So. And then you can always make the decision to change. Yeah, I could go work at a grocery store, yeah. be a bag lady somewhere. 
Just a couple more questions. We kind of touched on where can people find your music, whether it's purchase or stream? It's on Spotify and iTunes, Amazon, and Bandcamp okay. also. And then the videos are on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And are all of those at Save Garrick? Yeah, all my social media is Save Garrick, like Save the Queen, but Save Me, this Queen. Except YouTube. YouTube is Watch Garrick. And then all of those links can be found at your website as well. Yep. And that's Garrick.tv. Yes, ma'am. So last question, what else that we haven't already discussed can we expect to see from you in the future? I want to start playing live. I need to start playing live more. It's fun to make music and to sit in a studio all by yourself, but it also gets a little lonely. So I want to get out there and interact with people to play live. I'm going to do the new release in a month. And without saying too much, I'll say that I'm done playing nice for a while. I can't wait to see how that develops. Yeah. So that's what I'll say. Okay. I can be satiated with that for now. Good. good. (laughs) I want to thank you again for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me. And I'll have to come out west and uh, find you out there. Absolutely. 